morning, instead of reading a psalm, I'm, I'm going to get us through a little further in the reading in Mark 4, beginning in verse 1. This is the parable of the soils. And just as Pastor Clint even did last week, there are times as we move through the book of Mark, like we've got big chunks to cover. I did my best to make sure we could get through the entire book of Mark in the school year. I think that was 32 or 33 different sermons by different pastors that come up here at chapel. And so when you break it down like that, sometimes there's large chunks that are hard to teach or preach within this time frame. And even today, I'm really going to focus on the first nine verses, but I want to read the entirety and encourage you later to really dig in yourself and study the rest of this passage. But I think you'll see as we unpack the first nine verses, we're going to get we're going to get what we need this morning in the time frame we've got. So beginning in verse one, I'm going to use the ESV here, and then I'm also going to use the Legacy Standard. So again, you get two different versions, very similar. Beginning in verse one, again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. So he got into a boat sat in, in a, on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along a path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, immediately sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, choked it out, yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, produced grain growing up and increasing, yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, that's the section we're going to deal with this morning, but let me just read the rest of it for you to study later. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables and said to him, To you have been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes, takes away the word and is sown, that is sown in them. And these are the ones who ones sown on rocky ground. The ones when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And when they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. But those that were sown on good soil are ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, just pray as we have already read your word, that you would bless these words, you'd help us to soak in your words and what you would have us take from this morning, the implications, 
as they apply to your gospel, to us preaching the word to the world. Help us be bold in our proclamation and be clear with the gospel. I pray that for the students and for the faculty this morning. Amen. So as we look at these first nine verses, as I was driving here this morning, I had a couple hours coming in from Omaha, and I kept thinking about these verses, and I thought, if there was one section of Scripture that I could share with the Fellowship of Christian Athlete staff, which I started with out here in 1986, and for 30 years I served with FCA, most of that out here in this area. And I thought this would have been maybe the most important uh, section or passage of Scripture that would have been helpful to me if somebody had stood up when I started with FCA and said, let me, let me give you this lesson, because this is going to help you for the next 30 years when it comes to advancing the gospel, preaching the gospel. So my prayer this morning is, as we look at this, and I've titled it The Parable of the Soils, and you're going to see why. Not the parable of the sower, not the parable of the seed, but why I would want this to be the parable of the soils, because that's, what, that's what's going to change here. So we're going to really be centered on this. But here's my FCA story. When we think about evangelism, like sharing the gospel with others, and sometimes when we're sharing how they're frightened of us or we're frightened of them. So I've got a few graphics. Here's one here. Sometimes we're like this guy, right? We're like scared to death. We're like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to share the gospel. And some of the time, we're on the receiving end of that. So probably 30 years ago, more than that, I guess now, I'm a college student. I go to an FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, retreat. I've only been a believer about a year, maybe a year and a half. And we get paired up with another college student, and we've got about, I don't know, maybe nine or ten students with us. And some of you have been to those Weekend of Champions. They're awesome. They're great. But you don't sleep much at night. you got to try to sleep on the gym floor. That's tough, right? And there's noise, and there's things going on. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit of shut-eye here. It's probably two or three in the morning. And the, the guy who's my partner, my fellow college student, he wakes me, and he's like, hey, hey, we're close, we're close. And I go, close to what? I mean, it's like, like 2 in the morning, what, what's going on? He goes, and I'll give him this name, Jimmy, because honestly, I don't remember the student's name after all these years, but we'll call him Jimmy. He said, I got Jimmy over there, and we're close. We're close to what? We're close to him becoming a Christian. And I said, really? And I kind of looked over there, and I saw Jimmy had this look on his face like he was just scared to death. So my, my friend, my partner, he's a great guy, but he was so motivated. He's like, man, we're, we're just really close. And he goes, I need you. What do you need me to do? Come on over. Be the closer. I need you to close on this deal. It was kind of like that. I'm like, I don't know. I'm looking over, and he looks pretty scared. And my friend says something like, you know, if we don't get this done, he's probably going to hell. You don't want that on your conscience in so many words. So I'm sort of thinking, okay, that's I don't want to feel like it's, but I'm going to get over there, and so I just remember he looked really frightened, and at the time, I'm 235 pounds, I'm a linebacker at Nebraska, and this kid's probably 15 years old and weighs 110 pounds, and probably no matter what I ask him to do, he's probably going to go, yes, sir, I'll do that, 
And I did some kind of a prayer. I don't even remember what the words were. He prayed, and it was amen. And then he kind of drifted back to sleep. And my partner was like, we did it, man. We did it. And I remember thinking, I'm not sure what we did, but I got to process this. I got to think about that. And so I remember walking away that weekend. I never saw Jimmy again. And when I got home, I thought, I think I just did more manipulation than proclaiming, than preaching truth. In fact, I'm not so sure he actually, Jimmy, even understood the gospel. I don't remember saying anything about Jesus, that Jesus died for us on the cross, that he rose again on the third day, that he died for our sins, that you need to repent and turn from your sin and embrace Christ as your Savior. I, I don't know that we even had that talk. It was just kind of like, close the deal. And so you guys are young enough. You've not had this experience yet, but someday you're going to buy a car. Someday somebody's going to try to sell you some kind of a timeshare. And the way they do that is somebody comes out and they give you the brochures and they smile and they sell you on it. And then they get to the end and they say, you know what? Uh, I need you to meet with my finance guy, one last guy. And that's what I felt like was that last guy who's the closer. So when that happens, run. Like if you're not ready to buy a car, like get out of there because the closer's coming in to get you. So is that evangelism? And I think I, think I was wrong. And we're going to, at the end, I'm going to give you how I see it now, but I think this is a parable that can help us. So here's a picture that helps the setting the scene. Sea of Galilee. I got a chance to go to Israel about 10 years ago. Sea of Galilee. I mean, I was kind of like, look, just leave me here for the, the next eight days, nine days. I could have just stayed there. It's beautiful. You can see it's a beautiful, it's a big lake. It's so don't think like an ocean. Think a big lake. Think for those of you who have been to Lake McConaughey out west, that's kind of what it is, kind of an eight-mile body of water, but it's, it's big. It's really big. But you can see kind of the, the mountainous range kind of back behind. It's a beautiful setting. And so this is the setting where Jesus has a whole bunch of folks at this point in this context, they're following. But a lot of the people are actually following for the wrong reason. I mean, some of them are going, I want to get healed. I want to see the miracles. I brought my friends. So some have good motivation. Some have not such good motivation, but it's drawing literally thousands. And so the place here, and this is what they uh, kind of think it is. This is the place where this takes place. Here's kind of a, a drawing of it to give you kind of an idea what it might look like. So you've got Jesus in the boat. I think it's interesting. He's sitting down. Now, I probably would have been standing up, but I might have fallen into the lake, right? But sitting down was a very common way for a rabbi, teacher, in the Jewish tradition to actually teach. So if they were here today, they'd probably pull out a chair and they'd sit down. So that, that was pretty normal. There's a great advantage actually here. One is you've got all these people that want to hear Jesus. And so by pushing out on that lake a little bit, in the boat you get a couple things. You get a natural what would be like an amphitheater, where if you've got 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, think how hard that is to speak without amplification, right? But you've got kind of the hill there, and so as you probably may know, your voice will carry on water, so people would be able to hear him better if he's pushed out in the boat, on the lake, and facing out into the hill. And then if you get a little wind behind you at times, you can hear great. So that's kind of what's going on. This is kind of the picture you should have in your mind. 
Now, what's a parable? So here's the definition. It's from Got Questions. So later, you can just Google that. That's a very reliable website, Got Questions. A lot of people I work with in discipleship, they're like, hey, I got a question. I'm like, I can help you with that from the God's word. <clears throat> but if you ever needed like a real quick answer, Got Questions is a pretty reliable source. But here's what it says, what is a parable? A parable is literally something cast alongside something else. Jesus' parables were stories that were cast alongside a truth. In order to illustrate that truth, his parables were teaching aids and can be thought of as extended analogies or inspired comparisons. A common description of a parable is that it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, this is really important because the book of Mark's like a newspaper. It's like, you know, action, go, 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 immediately, now. So the book of Mark compared to the other gospel, doesn't have a lot of teaching, but the teaching we do have, and we're hitting this section, there's one more section, they're parables. So when you see that, you really want to kind of perk up and pay attention to is there's something really important, not that something's not less important, but you should really be paying attention to this parable. When I think about parables, I think a lot of you do sports, or even your teachers are this way, but I find some of your best coaches just speak in parables. So they're always trying to explain something. So when I was coaching basketball out here, I remember having my assistant coach over here. You can see this is a three-point line. And I was going to teach him something called a pack line defense. That's why I was going to teach the kids. So I had them lay out and tape on the inside of the three-point line how far they could go out in a pack line defense. And I knew the athletes were like, well, coach, what's a pack line? We never heard of the pack line. So what I'd say is, you guys know what a zone defense is, right? So they've been taught a zone defense. So like, yeah, we know 2-3, we know 1-3-1. One, one. Okay, you also know man-to-man, -man, right? Yeah, we know man-to-man, -man, we know zone, we got to prepare, we play those things. I go, a pack line is a little like zone and man-to-man. -man. It has principles of both. You can see that line when it's taped down. You can't go any further out than that. So we're basically, we're packing it in kind of like a zone, but we have man-to-man -man principles. That's where I kind of started. So if you're a player for me, you're kind of going, oh, okay, that's analogy. That's kind of sitting alongside something that you understand. So they go, I understand man-to-man. -man. I stand zone. I don't understand the pack. And so you're trying to help people understand. A lot of times you just find good coaches, just they just speak that way. If you listen to them very much, that's just kind of what comes out of them because they're always trying to teach. Now, you guys got my son's greenhouse, right? It's going up. It's going to look good. I think you got flowers in there. This is what it looked like a couple of years ago before the pandemic hit. We had to kind of shut it down. I mean, it, man, we were growing stuff. That's a banana tree. We're growing lettuce in there. We got tomatoes. I mean, we're knocking it out. It's like the absolute best lettuce in the world. And someday when you get this thing going, it's going to be awesome. But my son, even though he didn't grow up on a farm, he took a lot of these farm principles of sowing and seed and applied it to this system. And someday it's going to look great. I think you're a year away from doing the aquaponics where you got the fish that kind of fertilize everything. But someday it's going to be awesome. But you know, when it comes to me, I'm a city boy. I don't understand a lot of this farm stuff. Maybe you're like me. I grew up in Lincoln. Even when I lived out here after church, I would talk to the farmers and I just I was just like, can we talk football? I don't know what you guys are talking about. So it's amazing to me 
that I've got a son that figured all this out with farming because I'm like, I don't know where he got it from, but he didn't get it from me. So today, we're going to think a little bit about there's three things to understand to unlock this parable that will help you make sense of everything. And the first thing is we need to understand the seed. So the seed, this is a symbol of the Word of God springing into life. So once you get that, Parables do two things. They both reveal something. If you have the explanation, which Jesus later gives to the disciples, it also conceals to another group. So for the believers, it can reveal truth. To the unbeliever, it conceals it and actually works as a judgment on unbelievers. But if we start understanding that the seed is the word of God, that's going to help us a bunch. And in fact, let me just say one thing about the seed. The seed is the truth, the authentic truth of God. The gospel is God's truth. And the one thing you don't want to do is monkey around with the seed. So you know what synthetic seeds are, right? You're, you're kind of taking something and you're kind of changing it to something maybe you think is better. So maybe you buy some synth synthetic seeds. They're kind of artificial. The thing you never want to do with the gospel is mess around with it. The gospel is the gospel. In today's age, every once in a while, I'll see somebody will come up with, like a new, quote, gospel presentation. And they go, well, this is a lot easier. Like, unbelievers will really like this gospel. Well, I'll look at it sometimes and I'll go, well, you got nothing about sin, repentance, or who God is. Guess what you just did? Whatever you got is actually no longer the gospel. So let's make sure when we think about the seeds of the gospel, it's always the gospel. And it doesn't change. So as we look at this parable, there's a couple things don't change. The seed does not change, and the second thing that doesn't change is the sower. So the sower is anyone who puts forth the Word of God. A lot of you have grown up in Nebraska. You recognize that's on top of our Capitol building. It's called a sower. It's uh, kind of the way. You, you don't see it much on farms anymore, but this is the way it would have been in that time in, in Israel. Uh, they would have had a bag there of seeds, and you'd kind of grab the seeds, and you'd throw it out. And they called this method broadcasting, broadcasting. So sometimes people think, well, broadcasting is a modern term for radio broadcasting or even TV because you think about ABC as the American Broadcast System, NBC, National Broadcast System. So those, but actually those all go back to this idea in farming, agriculture, of broadcasting the seed. So a guy would be out there and he'd be throwing the seed out. Talked to a farmer the other day just to make sure I knew what I was talking about. And he said, yeah, on occasion, there'll be corners of their farmland and they'll go out. He said, there won't be a sash like they may have had then, but they may just have a bag and they'll just kind of throw out the seed and it's just easier to cover some particular spots. But the sower, when he's throwing out the seed, this also does not change. This is anyone. So it doesn't mean that as the sower... Like, one thing is you don't need, like, a design, designer seed bag. No, you don't need to be a particular height, weight, skill. Like, anybody can sow the seed. So the point here is it's not so much the, the skills of the sower and messing around with the seed. Those things just are not things that are going to be the point of the parable. So the point of the parable is going to come down to this, and it's the soil. This is the point. This is why I'm calling it the parable of the soils, because 
It's the soil that matters most here, and it represents the varying condition of human hearts on which the seed is tossed. So there's all kinds of uh, different soil, and we're going to see this in this story. And the one thing I want you to look for here, and I'll say this now so you can remember it, if you just took the parable as it is, you might go, well, ho-hum, most farm kids, because you're, you're talking about the people listening to Jesus probably went, you know what, I can even see off in the distance somebody out there sowing. It's a common thing. So at one point you might look at this and go, well, that would have been pretty simple. You know, you look at these first three, and then, but you get to the, the first three are like the bad soils. The fourth one we'll look at is the good soil, and then there's actually a couple more later in this passage. But to me, what's sort of fascinating when I, when I look at those soils is just to think about you get to that good soil, and it talks about, in some cases, the fruit is 100-fold. And if it was 10-fold, that would be amazing. So 100-fold is what I call the wow factor. Like if you're out there listening to this, you're going, wow. Like nobody, nobody gets that kind of return. And this is not so much a return of, a hundredfold fruit as is a hundredfold on investment. I mean, come on, like that's really good and it's like beyond, it's like that's impossible. So that's the wow factor in this is the good soil produces something that's like you really need to pay attention to. Now, let's look at it again and I want to read it through. I want this to soak into your brain. I want to help you also a little bit on interpretation. Anytime you want to understand a passage better, write it out by hand, maybe even type it. It's just a way that kind of helps you soak in the word. Also, reading it a few times does the same thing where it kind of helps you. So again, we're going to have to go fast, but I, I, I want to go slow enough to get this into your brain. And it says, He began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd was by the sea of, of the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them and teaching, listen to this, behold, the sower went out to sow and it happened as he was sowing, some seed fell besides the road, the birds came, they ate it up and the other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately sprang up because it did not have much depth. And after the sun rose, it was scorched because it had no root, it withered away and other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns came up, choked it out and it yielded not crop. And other seed, other seed fell into the good soil. And as it grew up and increased, they were yielding a crop that produced 30, 60, 100 fold. And he was saying, he who has ears, let him hear. So here we go. I'm going to unpack this quick. But these are the different kinds of soil. You can, you can throw different labels at it. This is the seed that's cast by the road. You could call it maybe the hard heart where it says, and it happened as they were sowing, some seed fell by the roadside, the birds came up and ate it. So the one thing to understand about that time on the, on the hard soil and the path is these farms were not fenced in. They really were divided by paths, and the paths were hard. So I tried to find a picture. This is not exactly what it would have looked like out on the farm because instead you'd have had about a three-foot path it would be beaten down like concrete, really hard. So it's not concrete, but you're walking on it all the time. And so you could go up one row and then down the next row. 
and these three-foot paths. So you'd see this farm laid out that way. So if you're going out to sow, what you would do is you'd, you'd try to get it away from the path and you'd throw the seed. Inevitably, what happens is you toss some seed here. Maybe some wind catches it. Maybe you just have kind of a bad toss. But some of the seed hits this hard ground, this, this ground. And so you can see there's, it, the idea is there's a hard heart because we're really talking about something that's just not a farm illustration. But when it's on the road, a lot of times what happens is birds will come grab it. So if there's seed sitting there, I mean, the bird goes, hey, that's easy pickings. The seed can't sink down into the ground. It's just on that hard surface, just like concrete. So it's a hard, and the image here is a hard heart. Because we're talking about actually the condition of a person's heart as it relates to the Word of God. Because remember, the seed is the Word of God. So when I would do like an FCA weekend of champions, every once in a while I'd see a kid that would come and they just would be hard. And some of the teachers can relate to this where you just would see a kid that he's an atheist, he doesn't want to be there. Somebody drug him to a weekend of champions and he's just hard as a rock. And you can throw the gospel at him and you can preach to him and he's just going to look at you and stare at you like, yeah, whatever. I have no interest at all. So this is kind of the idea, this part where the seed is cast by the roadside. Here's the second part, the seeds on the rocky places. Maybe you could call it the shallow heart or hearts. And other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up because it did not have depth of soil. And after the sun rose, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. So what's going on here? So it's not rocky in the way you might think, because every farmer would know, like if you got pebbles and you got rocks out there, you'd get a rake and you'd, you'd be raking out those rocks, right? Here's what it actually is. This is this idea, there's, there's a limestone that's underneath the ground, the surface. So you've got soil on top, maybe it's a few inches, and a lot of Israel's very super rocky, like rocks everywhere, limestone everywhere. So every once in a while a farmer would throw a seed, He's got very little topsoil, but he doesn't know it because that rock is down below and they can't see it. So what will happen is the seed will go down, the roots will stop when it hits the limestone, and actually it will spring up to life and go up. So if you're a farmer during that time and you see you've thrown seed out in this field and all of a sudden you see a, a part of the field like, man, it just jumped up and like this is growing great, this is fantastic, growing much faster. All it means is it went down and now it can't go any further, and so it springs up quicker. The problem is it doesn't have nutrients. It doesn't have water. It can't get that down. So for a brief moment, it looks great, but guess what happens? It gets scorched. It's gone. Nothing there. Again, think about the heart of the person in terms of the gospel. And I've seen this many times where somebody's just like, you know, uh, maybe they walk forward at an altar call, and they're just kind of like, I didn't know what I was doing but I felt bad because last night I was out drinking and that's, that's why, I'm, that's why I, I came down front to pray. And then the next day they're gone and they never, you never see them again. They don't go to church, they don't read God's word. So there was something that for a moment it might have looked like, hey, there's something going on here. Seems like maybe even a conversion, but the heart really was shallow. And there was really not a true repentance. It might have even looked at it for just a moment. 
Then finally, the divided heart. This is the third bad one. Another seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up, not camp up, that's a typo, came up and choked it out and yielded not a crop. And this is a seed upon the thorny soil. So there was a common bush that was kind of thorny, kind of a thistly bush. So this is kind of the idea. It's actually the same word that's used for the thorn of crowns on Jesus' head. But what we know about weedy ground is this. Weeds rule. Like if you're out there trying to plant stuff and you got weeds that are around, they're going to win the day. They're going to suck up all the water, the nutrients. They're going to grow faster. They're going to overpower whatever you're trying to plant, whether it's corn or flowers or anything else. And so they're just not going to make it because it's going to get choked out. And so a lot of times what you see in this idea of the divided heart and the word of God, you might see, like I, I would see over the years, like at a weekend of champions, I might see that somebody's like, man, I, I think I prayed. I think, I think I'm good to go. And it comes Monday and Tuesday. And then all of a sudden they're in the world and it's like, yeah, but what do you mean I got to give up sleeping with my girlfriend? What do you mean I, what do you mean I got to go to this or this? And all of a sudden they just kind of fall by the wayside because they have divide, their hearts divided. They're really, again, it's not a genuine repentance, but on the surface it can look like something happened. And then finally, here's the good one, the fruitful heart. And other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up, they increased, yielding a crop that produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. That is my granddaughter, one of them, Shiloh, and it's her dad that built that greenhouse, and she's holding a tomato. Now, I'm impressed. That's a big old tomato. I was like, man, that's fantastic. But this is the idea of a fruitful heart. And again, when you look at the wow factor here, the 30, 60, 100 fold, it should be like, wow, that's unbelievable. That's where it's so fruitful when the seed takes root and that bears fruit. And here's the thing. You and I, we're responsible to, to sow and sow the seed, the gospel. We're not, we're not responsible. There's going to be some result. Some are going to see a hundredfold, maybe some not much. But there'll be some fruit that's produced. Some of us will have little fruit and some of us big fruit that's okay we're all very different and god uses us differently but the thing is if you're being faithful that's what god has called us to do is be faithful and then finally in nine it says and he he has a saying he who has ears to hear let him hear so you can see this guy he's missing some he's missing some ears right and so it's what i what i would see oftentimes is if you're not prepared to hear if you're not receptive to the word of god you're not going to hear so We'll close in a few minutes here, but I want to give you this story and one last thing to write down. So fast forward years later, I'm here in this gym, I suppose this maybe eight, nine years ago, and one of the students that had been here one year was now down in Lincoln at the University of Nebraska. I'm coaching. I got to go that direction. He needs a ride to Lincoln. So I'm like, yep, I can give you a ride. So he jumps in the car with me. I knew he'd been here on campus for a year. We're headed to Aurora to get on the interstate. We start talking about NC, and I said, hey, you know, tell me about chapel. You know, some of the speakers, or there's some of those that stood out. And he said, yeah. He says, there was this one guy, Paul Washer, and he talked about repentance. And I've been kind of going and watching his, some of his videos, and I've really been impressed by it. And I said, well, I said, well, tell me what you think the gospel is that you understand and he repeated it back to me and he got it right about who Jesus is he understood repentance and conviction and what Jesus did on the cross and I'm going man this is some good stuff we got to about Aurora and I said to him I said so what's 
Like, what's holding you back? Are you a believer? And he said, no. Okay, what's holding you back? And he said, well, here's the thing. If, if I become a Christian, it's going to be really hard with my family. Just really, really a tough situation. So I'm just, I'm just really thinking about it. And so what I said to him was, I said, well, I, I get it. And I said, you know, actually, it's really important that you're counting the cost. Because the Bible talks about that. And a lot of, a lot of students sometimes don't understand there's, there's a cost to be counted. And I said, you know, I said, I could probably talk you into this on the way to Lincoln. But if all it was was me manipulating you, tomorrow morning someone else could talk you out of it. So what I know is I want to be sure you understand what the gospel is. I, I'm also going to plead with you. I'm going, to, I'm going to plead with you that before you go to bed tonight, I, I would love for you to receive Christ. But again, I'm not going to hard sell this deal. I'm just going to be faithful, present it, throw the seed out. He said, thank you, appreciate it. I'll pray about that. Probably seven, eight months later, I'm here in the summer, and Gibbs says, hey, got somebody over in the dorm wants to talk to you. Like, what's going on? Walk in, here's that student, and he says, I just got to tell you, I did become a Christian. So I had threw some seeds, but when, I, when the story was unpacked, there were a number of sowers, not just me. There was Gibb, there were people here, were students here. Like there was seed that was being thrown out. At times his heart was not receptive, but when the moment was right, he was not only receptive, but when that seed took root, you saw fruit. In fact, that student went on to go to seminary, and he's working on a second master's degree at a very good seminary. I mean, that's fruit, right? He's working, he's doing ministry. Uh, that's a different way to think about it. He, at one point, had ears to hear. So here's your lesson before we pray and close. This is what I want you to get, and you can write this down. Um, it won't take you long to write this down, but I think even as you might have discussion, this might be something you want to talk about. A person's response to the Word of God is dependent on the condition of that person's heart. The fruit is the evidence that one has heard the word rightly. That's a lot to unpack in there. You can talk, you can just take those those couple sentences there and talk about that a long time. But that's really helped me. And when I finally understood that parable working for FCA, it helped me to understand. In fact, what we did many years ago, uh, remember as me and Stan Parker was on staff at that time, and I remember talking to Stan, and sometimes we'd have a speaker come to FCA and He'd do an altar call, and we'd have 800 students that were at the event, and 799 would come forward. And we would go, that's a lot of students. But I could tell by the way he would do it, and I'm not against a call, an altar call, if it's done right. But it's so easy sometimes to manipulate or get people to do something just because you're a powerful speaker. So I remember Stan and I said, well, you know what? Let's do this on Saturday nights. The speaker will give his great, you know, his message, and then we'll at like 10 o'clock, let's do like buzz groups. We always had buzz groups, and they would be like a dating buzz group or how to understand the Bible. I said, let's have a buzz group on how to know you're a Christian. So we would take, if, if, if our speaker did anything like that where people came forward, we'd kind of funnel them in with us, and then we would debrief and go back over, this is what the gospel is, is this why you came forward, is this what you were thinking? And the first time we did it, we had about 130 kids that had, had come forward, and we get them in a room. And so we just we jump into that deal, 
And Stan would go, he was doing most of the, the uh, teaching. And he'd go about 10 or 15 minutes and he said, well, so like if you came because your buddy came forward, like you can leave now and go play basketball. We'll just keep going through the gospel. And so you, you see some kids kind of go, well, that's why I kind of came forward was my buddy came. So you'd kind of see them clear out. And so we'd lose 20 or 30. Stan would go a little further and he'd say, okay, now, if this isn't making sense, if this is not why you clearly came was the gospel and you want to go play basketball, you're welcome to go or you can stay a little longer. So, I mean, we met for about an hour. And when we were done, I think we had like, I don't know, like 13 or 14 students. And I looked at Stan. I go, did we do something wrong? Like we really cleared it out in here. Was it too strong of a message? And, you know, we're not perfect human beings. And maybe our message wasn't, maybe we didn't clarify the gospel as well as we could but you know we felt like the ones that stayed it was clear more clear that there was really they came for the right reasons and so all these years later you know what fca still does still does still does a buzz group i know you're christian just with the idea that if someone made an emotional and again when you come to christ there's an emotional component of it but there's a mental component that's got to be a part of that understanding what you're doing hearing the ears to hear and so that still goes on today where students will come and maybe they you know again they they went forward because well their buddy went forward what did i do i don't know what i did well in the buzz group you get a chance to debrief and mentally hear what that is i don't know if that's helpful for you but it's been helpful for me for a lot of years to understand i have absolutely responsibility and so when that student when we hit aurora now, I can sleep at night when that night was done. So that first time in a weekend of champions, it's like that guy was saying, hey, we can't sleep because we might lose this kid to hell. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to sleep. I sleep good now knowing that if I did everything I can and be responsible. So when I got that student around Aurora and we're talking about it, had he said to me, coach, can you tell me what the gospel is if I said, you know, I could, but let's talk about the game tonight. I couldn't sleep at night because I would go, there was a chance, there was an opportunity. I was not obedient if that's where I stopped. But I knew what God would want me to do is to press in, press the gospel, but again, not make it, not try to make it like the sower, it doesn't matter. You just need to be faithful. The seed is the word. It doesn't change. It's the receptive of the heart. So I hope that's helpful. Let, let's pray. And then we'll jump to our groups. Lord, thank you for this morning, the opportunity to students. Uh, I, I pray if there's a student here that they're hearing maybe with ears the first time that the gospel is what you did, what Jesus did on the cross, that he went to the cross because we're sinners. We're separated from you. And we don't know you. And we will not spend eternity with, with you unless we turn away, repent from our sin and to you. And embrace who your son Jesus is. Lord, thank you for Jesus that he paid that penalty. We could not pay that sin. And uh, thank you that he was, he was raised again on the third day. And uh, it's good news. But to understand the good news, sometimes we need to understand what the bad news is, which we're all headed to a place called hell without Jesus. It's just that simple. And I pray all these students would have ears to hear that straightforward gospel message about Jesus. Just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.